Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Well, welcome to week three of our Losing My Mind series. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at some truths about ourselves, about our thought processes, and also some truths from God's word. And the first overarching thing that we saw was that our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. That whatever that overarching thought is in our minds, it's actually the thing that drives us forward. And there's some ways that we can combat those and make sure they line up with what God wants to do in our lives. And last week we saw in the life of Jesus, right before he was going to the cross, we saw how he battled through some mental struggles that he was walking through and, and preparing himself for what was ultimately going to be his death on the cross and eventually his resurrection. And we saw last week that we can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we frame it. And we can frame it through the goodness of God and through God's truths. And so if you missed either one of those, it's been a really fun journey for us to be able to navigate our minds. And I'd love you to check that out on the podcast. But in these seasons, I don't know if it's true for you, but it's definitely true for me that when stress rises, when pressure starts to cave in on us, when we're going through challenging moments and challenging seasons in our life, a lot of times we kind of lean into some irrational behaviors. Right. Like, I don't know about you, but I know my irrational behavior that happens when stress is rising and I'm feeling a lot of pressure and tension and uh, just not knowing where to go in my life. My irrational behavior is that I actually lean on my arch nemesis. You see, Batman had the Joker, Superman. It was kryptonite. For me, it's sugar. Sugar is my absolute arch nemesis. When I feel stressed out, I want something sweet. When life is pressurizing me, I want something sweet. And, and what ends up happening is in these seasons, man, I, I end up just like leaning on sugar more than anything. And, and I start to, to want something sweet after every meal. Like I eat breakfast and it's like, okay, is there anything, is something sweet? Like it's breakfast. What's wrong with you, boy? Like get your mind right. But it's something for me that I've always struggled with because I'm, I love sweets. It, they're comforting to me in the moment. But the reality, it's, it's irrational because I know it's not good for my health. I never really feel good after I eat it. Like the immediacy of it, like that eating that cinnamon roll. Whew, I feel like I'm in heaven. But about 30 minutes later, it don't feel like heaven anymore. Right. And so it's like it's one of those things that I know it's irrational but I still end up doing it so many times in my life if I'm not truly leaning on what I know is right. But for you, what is your irrational behavior? Maybe for some of you in these seasons of pressure and, and stress, maybe you become more angry than you normally are. Maybe your emotions become the leader in your life instead of actually the truths and the principles that you wanna live your life on. Maybe for some of you, you, you just you kind of give up, right? This, the stress just overwhelms you to the point that you can barely get yourself up off of the couch and you just feel lethargic. You feel almost apathetic, like whatever, I can't do anything about it, so I'm just going to kind of give up and you cave in. And maybe for some of you, you lean on, on debt 
debt ends up being that like that freedom for you that you feel in the moment you you're just shopping like crazy and and it feels good and you're getting all these new things and and for some of you you just got that check in from the government and it's already gone like i don't know how you did that already but it already is but maybe for you you lean on debt and before you know it when you get out of that challenging season you look back and you're like what what happened? I don't remember spending that much. I do remember the 23 days in a row that Amazon showed up at my front porch, but man, I had no idea I spent that much. Whatever that irrational behavior is for you, it speaks to this greater truth that we see in our life. And the reality is if we don't control what we think, we'll never be able to control what we do. If we never gain control in our minds, if we never get to a place where our thoughts are, like Paul was telling us, they become captive to the good things and the truths of God. If our mind is never in control, it's, it's going to be impossible for us to live and act and do the things that we want to do. And what we see throughout the gospel is that we, we see Jesus as he's navigating and he's walking through life. His, his disciples would actually write about this, where Jesus was surrounded by a crowd of people, and they would say, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, responded. And could you imagine? I always thought that was just really fascinating. Could you imagine being in the crowd, and, and maybe you were one of the religious leaders, and you're standing there, and, and Jesus is doing something miraculous, and in your mind, not saying it to anyone, you're thinking, who is this joker? Who does he think he is? Like only God should be able to do these things. And as you're thinking this, Jesus just looked over and he's like, well, I am God. I mean, while you're thinking about it, I, I am. And, and I'm pretty good at what I do. And, and why are you so concerned about it? And he'd just dive into your thoughts and you're, you're thinking, I, I did, did I say it out loud? When did that happen? But Jesus did this time and time again. We see it throughout the gospels that Jesus would speak to the thoughts that people were having around him. And the reason I believe is because he understood that our thoughts are incredibly revealing about ourselves. It reveals how we truly feel. It reveals what's going on in our heart. It reveals a lot of times the direction that we are heading. And so he would speak to those thoughts in order to get them onto the right path. So, how do we begin to control our thoughts? Because that seems like an impossible task. How do we begin to control them and, and hone them in and take those thoughts captive and actually begin to live out the way that we want to? And I, I believe it's, it's a couple practical things that we're gonna do today. And I'll just tell you ahead of time, today's gonna be super practical, you, but with that, you're gonna have some homework. So I'm really excited for you. I hope you are too. But the, the practical things that we're gonna do, it, it's these two uh, behaviors that I believe you would do. One, you test your attitudes. And two, you train your weaknesses. You test your attitudes and you train your weaknesses. These two habits, these two disciplines that you do, I believe is going to absolutely change the way your thoughts work. And so the first one, how do we, we test our attitudes? And I think it's, it's a really important thing. If we look at the scriptures, we see Paul talk about this in Ephesians 4, if you want to turn there in your Bible. And I'm going to read the message paraphrase because I love how it says, especially the last line. And it says this, since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has got to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. 
and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life. This is important. This is right here. A life renewed from the inside, working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. In other words, what Paul is saying is that as we allow God to renew our inside, as he renews our mind, that our conduct begins to match the character of God. Man, that's just beautiful. That as he as we get a hold of our minds, as we begin to take those thoughts captive, as we begin to actually control the way that we think and allow God to be the ruler of our thoughts, that our character and our conduct matches up with who God ultimately wants us to be. I love that. And so for us, we have to test our attitudes honestly and be willing to just speak truth into our life and realize that we can't hide anything. We've got to be able to put it down on paper and say, this is where I'm at and this is how I'm navigating the season and this is how God's going to help me. And so that's actually what I want you to do. You don't have to do it right now in this moment because I want you to still be locked in here. But I want you at some point today or tomorrow, while it's fresh on your mind, I want you to grab some paper, grab a pen, and prepare your heart to be honest and vulnerable with yourself. You don't even have to share this with anyone yet. It'd be awesome if you do because they can help hold you accountable to it. But just between you and God, prepare your heart to be honest with yourself. And and what we're going to do is that we're going to measure our attitude towards a few areas. And how we're going to do that is you scale yourself from one to 10. One being like you're about to have a mental breakdown, right? Like it's bad. It's as bad as bad could be. Like when you're at it, when you think about your attitude and you circle that one, like bad things are about to happen because of how just frustrated and worn out that you are in that area. And 10, 10 would be, let's just say rainbows and unicorns. Right? Like it's the dream world. Your mind is absolutely in heaven. Your attitude towards this certain area of your life, it it could not be any better. And don't come at me about rainbows and unicorns. I have been watching more kids' shows over the last few weeks than I, I think I ever have in my entire life. So I've got two daughters, so you get rainbows and unicorns. It's magical. But seriously, marking from one to 10, you're rating yourself, you're, you're measuring where your attitude is in these six key areas. These aren't listed in, in the priority. These are just listed in, in some areas that you need to make sure you check. And the first one is yourself. What is your attitude towards yourself? It's really, really important. What's your attitude towards your health? What's your attitude towards your insecurities? What's your attitude towards you feeling like you have purpose and meaning in your life? What's your attitude towards yourself? If, if someone were to say, what do, you, what do you think about yourself? Like if you were to mark your, rate yourself and grade yourself on a scale from one to 10 and, and how you're feeling internally, how would you rate yourself? This is really important that you do this and really evaluate it because if you're unhealthy, if your attitude towards yourself is unhealthy, It's going to be really, really challenging for these other areas to have health. Second area is this. How how is your attitude towards your marriage? And for those of you who are dating, I'm going to get to you in just one second. But for those of you who are married, an important question to ask yourself is, what's your attitude towards your spouse? 
It's real talk, right? What's your attitude towards your spouse? How do you think about them? How do you think about the expectations that you've placed on their lives? What, what is your, your mindset when it comes to your spouse and how you feel about them and, and where you guys are in your relationship right now? What about this? What's your attitude towards your future together? For some of you, maybe it's an eight, it's a nine, it's a 10. You just feel like it is a dream. You're, you are closer than you've ever been. It's amazing. You're thrilled about the adventure that's in your future. You're thrilled about what God is doing and you are just stoked about your marriage. For some of you, maybe it's a two. And you don't even know if there's a future for that marriage. Maybe you're on the brink of giving up because your attitude towards your marriage is it's, it's almost on empty. You feel like you've got nothing left to give. You have to be vulnerable and honest about that because until you do that, God can't move in and help strengthen those areas of weakness. The third one is this, it's your relationships. This is for those of you who are dating. For all of us, it would be our relationship with our family, with our friends. What is your attitude towards them? Are, are you someone that like lifts them up? Do they lift you up? Are they encouraging to you? Are they positive influences on your life? Do they speak into your life? For those of you who are dating, are you leaning into the good habits rather than the bad habits in your life? Where, where would you measure and rate that? The next one would be your job. What's your attitude towards your job? And you're like, I don't want to even talk about that, Danny. I do not want to talk about that. But seriously, what's your attitude? Do you feel unfulfilled? Do you feel like it's as far as possible from your purpose? Do you feel like it is absolutely just draining your existence? Or maybe for some of you, you're you're a stay-at-home parent now. And you're trying to navigate what that looks like. And there's fear and there's trepidation and there's, there's some excitement. And you don't really know what it looks like. What's your attitude towards that? Because these... This specific area is really, really important because our jobs represent the place where we spend a large majority of our time. For some of you, it's 40, 50, 60 hours a week that you spend at your job. So your attitude towards your job is going to bleed into every other area. And again, we have to be honest with it. The fifth one would be the one that we all hate talking about for the most part is our finances. What's your attitude towards your finances? Is a credit card debt racking up because of Amazon in this season and you're just in an unhealthy place? You feel hopeless. There's uncertainty. Maybe for some of you, God has blessed you tremendously and you would you would rate this area high because maybe your finances has been a safety net for you in this season. Or maybe you're finally at a place where you can be generous with your finances. Be honest with it. Rate that. Evaluate that. And the last area would be your attitude towards God. Your attitude towards God. When you think about your relationship with God, are you finding purpose and proximity to him? Or are you feeling like he's absent in your time of crisis? Be honest with that. Evaluate it. Obviously, I would tell you that this one would be the most important one because the Bible promises that is that when he is in the throne of our heart, when he's at the top of our lives, when we put him in his appropriate place, that everything else will fall into the right order. But again, you have to be honest with yourself about this. And so this this isn't for you to dwell on the negatives. It's it's actually actually the, the opposite. 
what we want to do is not dwell on these things, but actually replace them and strengthen them through the word of God. And we're going to do that by looking at a passage of scripture that's super familiar. It's in Philippians 4, and it's Paul writing about the things that we need to fix our thoughts on. So check it out in Philippians 4, verse 8. It says this, Now fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That verse is going to be the the anchor for us as we move forward because the first thing that we did is that we tested our attitudes. But the second thing that we do is we train our weaknesses. We train our weaknesses because the truth is you're only as strong as your weakest weakness. In other words, whatever area that you are weakest in your life, that's a place of vulnerability. It's a place where the enemy can step in. It's a place where bad habits can creep into your life. It's a place where those thoughts can become a stronghold in your mind and take over. And they start driving you in a direction that weakens all of these other areas of your life that were actually strengths before. So being honest about where our weakest area is, it gives us the advantage to let God strengthen those things for us to train those weaknesses in our life. And and maybe in your life, it'll become a strength. And then when another area starts to creep down, then you can focus on that and God can lift you back up. I actually realized this truth in a really practical way. For me, you'll notice because my arch nemesis is sugar, one of my uh, famous places for story of catastrophe comes from when I'm in the gym. And another one was uh, a few years ago, uh, I was working out in this gym on the East Coast when we were living there. And listen, this gym was bougie. It was super, super fancy. It was one of the most amazing gyms I've ever worked out in. And the only way that I could afford it was that the lady who owned it actually went to the church that we were on staff at. And so she gave the, the staff a discount for us to go there. And so I was working out like crazy and, and being a guy, what we always do is we always work out our arms and our chest. And we, that, it's the area that we can actually see, oh, wait a minute, something's happening here, right? There's some, some reward for all the work that we're doing. And, but I also didn't want to be like the guy that had arms that were in shape, but I had a little bird leg. So I was working on my legs. And of course, everyone does crunches and does their ab workouts and, and all of that. But one day I realized that I had been neglecting an area of my body that was extremely important. And I didn't realize it until catastrophe struck. And so uh, here I am in the gym and, and I'm working out hard and I'm doing this kettlebell workout and I'm swinging this weight in front of me. And all of a sudden, about halfway through, I feel this pain that I have never felt in my entire life. And something in my back absolutely just shreds. Some muscle was destroyed in the moment. The kettlebell goes flying through this bougie gym. People are looking at me like I'm an idiot. I fall to my knees. I roll onto my back. I am just writhing in pain. Something in my back has been destroyed. I feel like someone just sliced me open with a sword. It was unbelievably painful. And I laid on the floor. No one came to help me. I laid on the floor for like 40 minutes. I couldn't breathe. I just was like, what just happened to me? And so finally I crawled up to my feet and I 
grabbed the kettlebell and I put it back on the rack and I just left in complete shame out of this bougie gym with all these fancy people looking at me like I was just a fool. And what had happened is that I'd been training every area of my body except for my back. Actually, for years, I'd never thought about my back. And eventually, it gave out. It did not have the strength to match the other areas of my, of my body, of the muscles that I'd built. And what happened is that I was out of the gym for over six weeks because whatever I tore in my back was just shot. It was just shot. And, and for years to come after that, my back would still tweak and go out and it never had before. I really did some damage. I have no idea what I did because I'm a guy and I didn't go to the doctor. I just dealt with the pain. But I realized that no matter how strong every other area of my body was, if I neglected my back, it all was affected. I couldn't go to the gym anymore because one area was weak. And I wonder how many of us in our lives, that's exactly what we're doing. Maybe for you, finances are strong and you feel like your marriage is strong and maybe you're pretty good about yourself, but God is an area of weakness for you. And then when catastrophe happens, when crisis comes, everything starts to erode a little bit more than you thought. And you thought you were strong, but that area of weakness impacted it. And when we look at Paul's encouragement to us, we see that if we fix our thoughts on those, those things that he laid out for us, it will actually strengthen those areas of our mind. And he said, train your weaknesses by fixing your mind on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, and worthy of praise, and excellent. And so when I look at those words, there's a couple of things that I believe stands out. True, is are we being honest and transparent? You'll notice a theme with me. I believe there's so much power in transparency when we're honest with ourselves and we're honest with others. It opens the door for God to do miraculous things. When I think about honorable, to me it means showing honor even when they don't deserve it. Showing honor even when you don't deserve it. Being honorable, not because someone's earned it, but because you're a person of honor. When you think about right, you guys know me. I love the phrase that we choose the hard right over the easy wrong. What, is those, the, what are those hard rights that you need to choose in your life? For, those, for pure, how are you guarding your mind from impurity? How are you guarding your mind from those strongholds that we talk about in week one? those areas of, of security for your enemy, that those impure, unhealthy thoughts that just become a part of you, the fabric of who you are. When I think about lovely, I think about us finding the beauty around us. Do we find the good? Do we, do we like we talked about last week, do we find God's goodness even in the challenging seasons? Do we find goodness in our lives? admirable and worthy of praise. When I lived on the East Coast, I, I had several opportunities to be able to go to the Chick-fil-A home office. And one of the principles that Truett Cathy, the, the founder of Chick-fil-A, always talked about was he wanted to build a company that was remarkable. And the simplest form of understanding remarkable is that it's something that you remark about. In other words, Truett Cathy wanted to build a company that people couldn't help but say good things about. When the name Chick-fil-A came up, he wanted people to respond 
positively, that there was, a, there was an actual response to it, not indifference, but a response of how remarkable the company was. And I think about that in our lives. Where are those areas of our life that we need to, to make sure that they're remarkable? Where are those areas of our life that need to be acknowledged and spoken about, those truths about ourselves? I'm going to look at that in just a second. And the last one is excellent. And I know for a lot of us, we lean into excellence and, and think perfection, but I, I feel like God makes it abundantly clear that he is the definition of excellence. So when I see that word, I like to think about where is God in this? Where is God in this area of my life? If we're going to fix our thoughts on something excellent, what better than God, who is the definition of excellence. So, so how do we do this? How do we train our weaknesses and how do we apply these truths? And, and I, I wanted to give you one example and let's just use the example of evaluating yourself, right? Just, we're going to do this with all six of the areas, but what do you do about yourself? And so when I look at that area of true, fixing our mind on what is true, are you being true and transparent with yourself, with God, and with others? Are you being true? Are you being honest? Are you truly communicating the things that you need to communicate and being honest with yourself about where you are and where you need God to help you in these weaknesses? When you think about honorable, would you consider yourself someone who is honoring? How do you show honor to yourself? How do you show honor to others even when they don't deserve it? Would you fix your mind on, you know, today I want to be a person of honor. I want to show honor in my life. When you think about what's right, what in your life is that hard right that you need to choose right now in this season? Maybe for you, it's a behavior that you need to fix. Maybe for you, the hard right is having a conversation that you've been avoiding for a long time. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's a discipline that you need to, to establish in your life. Like for me, the discipline that I have to live by is that I only have one suite a week and that's on date night. That is until I break all the rules and, and then chaos ensues, right? Like I know for me, that's a discipline that I have to lean into and that's the hard right over the easy wrong. When it comes to purity, are you guarding your mind from impurity? Are you guarding your thoughts from those negative things that want to take root? Are you guarding your life from those strongholds that the enemy is trying to establish in your life? What about lovely? Where are those areas of your life that you're missing God's beauty? Where in your life are you missing the good things about yourself? Where in your life are you having an attitude of gratitude that you're thankful for what you do have and what is happening in your life? And maybe when you look at yourself, you're thankful for who you are. You know you need to grow. You know you need to expand yourself. But God, thank you that you created me this way. When we think about admirable and worthy of praise, where are those places in your life where the good needs to be acknowledged, where you acknowledge God's goodness and his truth in your life? And finally, in excellence, where is God in this area of your life? Where is God in yourself? your relationship with him, your relationship with your purpose and your future. You see, 
we can use all of these questions in, in evaluating ourselves, our attitudes towards ourselves, our marriages, our relationships, our jobs, our finances, and then eventually our relationship with God. And when we do that, when we evaluate ourselves, then we're able to do something really, really practical. We write down those areas of weakness. We write down those areas of strength. Then we begin to speak God's truth over those areas of weakness and watch as he grows them and he strengthens them. And then what happens is we become so accustomed to speaking those good things over our lives, those truths over our lives, that we actually begin to believe it. And that area of weakness becomes an area of strength. I've seen this happen time and time again in my life. And so we write it down, we speak it, and then we begin to believe it. And as we wrap up today, I wanted to be able to do that with you. And there's a passage of scripture in in Psalms 119. It was written by King David. And he's talking about how we can live our lives on the truth of God, how we can actually put this into practice. And what I want to do is I want to read it to you. And then I want us to pray it together over our lives and begin to open ourselves up to these truths that we're going to establish over the next couple weeks. So let's read this together. Psalm 119, starting in verse 9. How can a young person live a clean life? By carefully reading the map of your word. I'm single-minded in pursuit of you. Don't let me miss the road signs you've posted. I love this line right here. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. Man, I love I love that. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. Be blessed, God. Train me in your ways of wise living. I'll transfer to my lips all the counsel that comes from your mouth. I'll transfer them to my lips, meaning I will speak them. I delight far more in what you tell me about living than in gathering a pile of riches. I ponder every morsel of wisdom from you. I attentively watch how you've done it. I relish everything you've told me of life. I won't forget a word of it. And as we wrap up today, what I want us to do is I want us to to pray these words over our lives. And in just a second, I'm going to read them out to you. And I want you to repeat after me right where you are. I know you're in your living room. I know you might be in your car. I know you might be washing dishes. It doesn't matter. Let this be the prayer of your heart that we pray these scriptures over our lives. We pray these truths over our lives. And we begin to see God take those areas of weakness in our life and strengthen them. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Again, I want you to to pray these words over your life with me, to repeat them right where you are. God, I will be single-minded in pursuit of you. Let me see the road signs you have posted. I lean into your promises so that I don't bankrupt my life with sin. I speak your wisdom over my life. I don't want to forget a word of what you've told me about life. I surrender my weaknesses to you and I ask for your help to grow. Heavenly Father, in this moment, I pray for every single one of us. 
that we would truly be single-minded, that as we sit down this week and we write down those areas of our lives, as we test our attitudes, God, that you would bring clarity to mind, that you would bring strength to our hearts, that you would open our minds to see those areas that we are truly weak and that we need to lean on you. God, that we lean into your promises so that we don't bankrupt our lives trying to do it on our own trying to do it through sin, trying to do it through ways that just ultimately lead to destruction. God, let us bank our lives on your promises. God, as we find those areas of weakness, that you would give us the strength to lean on you and to lean on the people that we trust to help us grow in those areas. That as we grow our weaknesses, we believe they will become strengths and we will walk out of this season of pressure and stress stronger than we've ever been because of what it is that you've been doing in our lives over these couple of weeks. God, guard our minds, protect our thoughts. I pray right now against the enemy who wants us to think that this is just a foolish endeavor. God, speak to us, strengthen us, and let us walk away today stronger than we've ever been and closer to you than we've ever felt. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.